Well, this morning is uh, going to be a little different message. Somebody's like, oh, man, I knew I shouldn't have come today. No. It's a message that I apologetically will proclaim. Uh, it's a message of uh, correction. It's a message of hope. It's a message of instruction, but it's a message we must hear. I, I got to tell you, I'm really excited about next weekend. As I think I talked about the book of Ruth, I'm excited about walking through that book expositionally and studying the character of Ruth and hope. But the Lord told me about it too much ago that I need to do this to kick off 2013. And uh, so I'm just going to, I've tried to make it for somebody just came off the street. You're a guest. You'll never come back. You came for the dedication. You're checking out our church, whatever. Or you're a long-term member. But it's a message that uh, I think will speak. So I call this, I dare you to believe. Do you remember when you were in school and somebody dared you to do something? How, How many like that? And then they had this little expression. They would go, I double dog dare you, brother. And if you triple dog dare me, hey. We're going to fight, okay? And that whole thing of daring. And yet this morning, I just feel like that's, that's what I want to talk about. I dare you to believe some concepts. This is the most unusual worship guy that I've had. I thought about putting it blank. I said, no, I want to give you a little something. So I've given you five points. But if you'll notice, I left you a lot of room to write and to make comments and to make reflections. So I hope you'll pull out your notes, turn to the back, open your Bible to different passages. But I want to start with the first one. I dare you to believe... In the power of prayer. I just dare you to believe, to trust God, that prayer will work. That God longs to intervene, to act on our behalf when we cry out to him. Just because I've been a pastor 31 years and I've been around thousands of people, and I know human nature and I know my nature and I know my flesh, I didn't even make any this year. I just I didn't want to fool with it. I've, I've kind of had a higher pursuit. I, some of you made resolutions. Some of you made the same resolution the last 15 years. You know, like, hey, you know, how's that working for you, you know? And what I know is right at the top of your resolutions is, I'm going to lose blank pounds this year. And there'll be somebody, Pastor, I'm trying to gain 20 pounds. Well, God bless you, but that ain't, that ain't what I'm trying to do, gain 20. There was a time back when I was an athlete that I was trying to gain weight, but that's a long past. Yeah, you're like, you were an athlete. Well, in my mind. Okay, so, but how different are your resolutions this year from last year? And it might be that you even set spiritual goals, and you said, I want to be a person of prayer, and that's commendable. But I ask you, do you believe in the power of prayer? I'm I'm serious about this prayer thing. I, I pray a lot in my study. I pray a lot in my car. I pray... A lot of places had the honor of writing a book a few years ago on prayer. I just believe this prayer thing is the heartbeat of God. Every Monday morning, men, right now, I'm inviting you. In the morning, you have a personal invitation from your pastor to join me at 645 in the prayer room. We pray. We pray all the time. We, we believe, and I think it makes a difference. And here's the thing. If you decide that you're going to discipline yourself to pray more, you're going to discipline yourself to lose weight, you're going to discipline yourself to do something, you're probably going to fail. And everybody said, I got that t-shirt. But let me give you a little different wrinkle. I want you to write down the word delight. But if you choose to have an attitude, if you choose to have a heart, I delight to do your will, God. I delight to become a person of prayer. When you begin to make it delight, it stirs up the affections of the heart, of the soul. And I think it makes all the difference. So as we walk into 2013, I'm just praying that a lot of us are going to choose to be men and women, teenagers, boys and girls of prayer. Because the Father delights in us. 
is the children of God. And we should delight in him. So I hope this prayer thing, like there's a, there's a passage in one of the gospels and this person's pestering, bothering, on and on, just going all out. And there's this unrighteous, disrespectful pagan judge that gets worn out and they act on their behalf. And if that happens when you pester that, can you imagine how much when you go to God, because he created us to bother him, to talk to him, to bid for his attention, that he'll act. How many of you believe if you'll be consistent in prayer, God will move this year in 2013? But you got to be on your knees. you got to be on your face. you got to be consistently, Lord, I'm convinced that I'm going to pray. Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, Jim Simbla, great book. And he asked some questions. He goes, what are you asking God for? What do you believe in God for? Just write it on the side. This year, I'm believing God for the salvation of my mate. I'm believing salvation for my kids. I'm believing the salvation of my boss. I'm believing God for this. I'm believing God to heal my body. I'm believing God for a mate. Don't raise your hand. Some of you are believing God for that. I'm believing God for a new job. I'm believing God for my finances. But you trust the supernatural in your midst, in your life with other friends. You know, one of the things I'm praying on this fast, lives change, marriages heal, bodies heal, families restored. How many would say amen? That's what I signed up. A redemptive community that's not perfect, but they're going for God. They're going for the goal. In Ephesians, if you'll just turn over there to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. This is a verse that I have this thing Hannah made me. It's a, it's a reverse deal. So when it goes in the, in, the, in the window, it like reflects the right side for me, these little scripture cards. I have this one that I ride around with, this one, another one. And I just look at it all the time. It says, and I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. That's what I'm praying for you. I hope you'll begin to pray that for yourself, that God, your resources are unfathomable. They're unlimited. God, you're great. How many people believe God is great this morning? And his resources know no bound. How many of you know your resources know great bound? Yeah, yeah. How many have gotten paid and the paycheck's just not going as far as it used to? Yeah. You know, you, you got more days than you got money. You ever notice that? You know, we, we subscribe to the Larry Burkett thing, and we have, we've done the envelope system for three decades, and, and we like that. And when the entertainment envelope runs out, it runs out. You're saying, well, hey, Pastor, I got a plan. It's called a credit card. You need to see us, okay? Let me give you another verse. Just write down. You're there in 316. Look down at verse 20. Oh, I love this. Louis Giglio at Passion that many of you went to and some of you watched it online, just an amazing 60,000 collegians, young adults, 18 to 24, 25-year generation primarily. And he, he began to minister on this verse, which is one of my life verses that I love. In verse 20, what does it say? In the NLT, it says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Another translation says that he might do immeasurably more. Let me just tell you, 2013 used to be a year of immeasurably more, that we trust Christ for more than we've ever trusted him for before. Immeasurably more. God, I'm asking for spiritual awakening. This fasting thing, I, I talked about it a little bit. It's going to be a new discipline for some of you. Let me just go ahead and tell you, some of you are going to have headaches, and you're not going to call your pastor blessed for the first two or three days. It hurts. 
Right now is my first day. So I just started, you know, I mean, I, you know, I made it through breakfast. Hey, I had raisins and applesauce, unsweetened applesauce. Glory to God. It was awesome. Now, lunch is going to get a little tougher in about a week from now. It's going to be a little tougher in two weeks, but, you know, we'll be fine. But everybody that does the fast, they go, man, I just feel better. I just feel healthier. I've just spent more time with God. I invite everybody in the church, and you're a guest today. Participate. Churches across America are doing the fast. And a lot of people are, oh, y'all that fast church. I'm going to the slow church. No, 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 no. You don't get it. I mean, you know, I've already told you I've tried to wiggle out of this. Let me just be a little personal. Wednesday's my birthday, and I've never done the fast. We usually kind of kind of rocks after Pastor Keith's birthday because he's so spiritual because he likes to enjoy. So we kind of celebrated my birthday. We didn't. We did a great job last night, Mama. We celebrated my birthday last night, and on my birthday, come eat Brussels sprouts and cabbage with me or something. I don't know. It'd be awesome. But this is going to be a thing that God wants to get our attention. Three weeks, God. What would you do? Just write a note. God, what would you want to do in my heart in the next three weeks? I'm open, Lord. I'm yielded. I surrender. I submit. Here's specifics I just wrote down. Here's some things that people are asking me. What are you fasting for? Here's just a couple things that I wrote and I thought I'd share with you. Discipleship in the Word. More Jesus. That we would begin to make disciples of one another. That we would be committed to God's practices. I've been praying that addictions would be broken in our body. There's so many addictions. I can't even name them all. I've been praying that salvations and baptisms would be overwhelming in 2013. And the church said, I'm going for that. I'm believing God for that. How about this one? I'm praying finances will flow in our church and throughout through our church. And it'll be great for you as members too. God will increase your finances at home. And here's the final. Just more Jesus. More of his glory to fall. More of his glory to fill the place. More of Christ coming. Isaiah, let me just give you a passage. It's chapter 58. And it's verses 6 through 8. It says, is, this, is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen to loose the chains of justice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them, to not turn away from your own flesh and blood, and then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear, and then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard? Does that sound like a powerful verse or what? God, we want the true acceptable fast of the Lord. And we want you to be our front guard, but we want you to be our rear guard, and we want your light to shine in the darkness. So we believe in the power of prayer. The second one, I think I didn't hit it, but you got it in the focus of fasting. So we want to believe in prayer, we want to believe in fasting. Those two really go hand in hand, prayer and fasting. But let me give you the third point here that's very important. We want to believe in the life-changing presence of worship. I dare you to believe that worship will change your life. Worship, true worship in spirit and truth will change your heart. It'll change your soul. It'll change your attitude. It'll change your marriage. It'll change your relationships. It'll change every part of it. How many believe that this morning? When you come into the presence of the holy, sometimes he overwhelms us with his presence. You're saying, well, man, I, I've been doing religion and that never overwhelms me. Religion's dead. It's never going to overwhelm you. But a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ will. And in Isaiah 6, 4, it says that the sound of their voices, the doorposts, and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Over in Exodus chapter 33, 13, Moses says, Teach me your ways, and now therefore I pray you, if I found favor in your sight, show me your way. 
that I may know you, progressively becoming more deeply, intimately acquainted with you, perceiving and recognizing and understanding more strongly and clearly that I might find favor in your sight. From the Amplified Version. How many want to find favor in the sight of God Almighty in 2013? Then fast. Pray Jesus didn't say, hey, if you decide to fast, if you decide to be spiritual, the scripture says, when you fast and pray, then he does this. He already thought we were going to fast. And I'm amazed. We've been doing it for several years. Well, we've been doing it since the start of the church. We used to do these little 24, 30-hour fasts. And then we decided to go to the 21-day Daniel fast. And they've just been powerful. They've just, it's just an opportunity for God to get us and that we sign up with God and we go, God, I want more of you. Man, the song that Jeff picked this morning, so fitting to just to get that in your spirit. The joy of worship occurs. Moses, from Scripture, had a passion for the presence of God. And I just have a question. Do you have a passion for the presence of Jesus? Others will know. You will know if you have a passion for his presence. They, they tell me there's a football game tomorrow night. I, I'm trying to remember who's playing. <laughs> Terry Liz, could you tell me, John, could you tell me who's playing tomorrow night? Uh, the team of the Lord, uh, what, Notre yeah, Dame. I like how you said that. John, oh, he only wears Alabama gear. I can't believe he said that. Okay, so Notre Dame and Alabama play. It's kind of, you know, I understand there's some people that have a passion for that game tomorrow night. I've also been rebuked this week going, I cannot believe the pastor declared a fast prior to the national championship. <laughs> I've already been rebuked in Jesus' name. And I forgave him. I, I know, I'm going to miss the chips and dips too because I've been eating them the last few weeks having a big time. But it's like, hey, it's just time to declare. I mean, Maybe it'll help Alabama's game if we fast. I don't know. Or maybe it helps Notre Dame's game. I, I don't even want to get into that. I mean, yeah, don't even ask me. You, you mean more people fast, they'll win? No, 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 no. Okay, all right. What do we need to do? We need to anticipate God's presence. We need to look for God's hand. We need to know that true worship is a quest for God, and we get sensitive to the leadership of God. The fourth one, I dare you to believe in the joy of community. In the joy of coming together with like-minded brothers and sisters, believers that want to get after the things of Christ. They sit in the presence of one another. Ultimately, they sit in the presence of God. They get together. They ask God to work. They ask what God's doing in each other's lives. They just begin to grow. They begin to remind one another that we're sons and daughters of the light of Christ. This is a value that Don and I have tried to uh, model that we've tried to exemplify since day one of starting this church. We started this contemporary praise and worship movement in the region in 96, but we knew as great as that was, it would take accountability, it would take small groups, it would take people doing life together to sustain a long-term mission for Christ. So I encourage you, center around God's Word, find a place, and don't criticize one another or criticize the pastor or criticize the staff or criticize you. Just begin to edify and to grow. I'm going to give you my favorite passage out of Acts. It's Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and following. But I'm only going to give you verse 42 because I pray it all the time. I pray it almost every morning. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and yes, to prayer. That's the band of believers they were. 
And I invite us to participate. So uh, hopefully a lot of you are just getting encouraged in these disciplines of the faith. And some of you, I'm praying by the Spirit of the living God that God's going to call you and you're going to listen, you're going to respond, and you're going to choose to participate in community this year. Now let's go to the fifth one. Getting out of kind of crux of where I want to go. I want you to believe, or I dare you to believe in the God of heaven for your finances and then to leave your future to him. See, I'm convinced a lot of people will trust Christ to get them to heaven. I'm convinced a lot of people will dare to believe Christ to have abundant, full life. They'll trust Christ for a new attitude. They'll trust Christ for something great. But many people won't trust Christ for their finances. They think, a lot of Jesus, but i got to keep my hand on the checkbook. i got to keep my hand on the cash. i got to keep my hand on the finances. Now, um, you know, it, it, it seems... I just never apologize for talking about tithing and giving. It's biblical. A lot of preachers, they act like they've had a revelation when they finally preach about it. I've had more people say, Pastor, you've done series over the years. I do. I, I just I want to give you the full counsel of God. And the church said, and the church said, the full counsel. So you, you got to have this. But there's some things that happen. And basically, there's about 50% in our faith family that believe that the tithe matters that the tithe bringing into the storehouse makes a difference bringing a tithe into the storehouse brings the blessing of god but you have to bear responsibility i want you to write down the word responsibility i want to show you a little something different write down the word responsibility and then in parentheses i want you to write response to his ability see if you're a christ follower you have a responsibility to be entrusted with what the resources he's given you to bring that to the house of God, to bring it to the storehouse, to, to be faithful. And as you bring, the blessing of God comes. You, you have a response to the ability of God. In 2 Corinthians 8, 7, the apostle Paul gives a, a marvelous verse, and Paul says these words, since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love from us, but I also want you to excel in the gracious act of giving. Paul's telling the church at Macedonia, hey, you do this well, your faith looks good here, but I want you to go on and I want you to excel in this. You excel in your singing, you excel in your teaching, you excel in, your gener- in, in being kind to people, you ex- excel in your hospitality, you excel in this. But then Paul says, no, but I want you to excel in giving. I want you to give your life, I want you to give your resources let me put it this way. I did something Thursday. It was very hard. I went over to the credenza in the front office. Had a file about this thick. Did it not, LB? About that thick. If you don't believe me, just go to the front office, look in the window, and you'll see, oh, my goodness. It's all the people that have come in a covenant relationship with Christ community the last 17 years. We've got people in every country of the world. We've got them all over the globe. We've got them in cities and states and addresses and other churches and everything. Just tons of people. Today, this is current membership covenant for Christ Community Church. These people went through a course with Pastor Keith and made a commitment to you and to Almighty God publicly here in this church that I will be faithful to the church of Jesus Christ. Just to remind you, here's what it says. I will prayerfully commit myself to personal growth and maturity, to personal integrity and credibility, 
to understand and exercise my spiritual gifts, to submit to the authority of the elders, to support through cheerful giving the tithes and offerings, the ministry resources, needs of Christ's community, to embrace the vision, mission, mission, belief, philosophy, and core values of the church. And people sign their name. These are covenants. These are vows that people made to God. Let me give you a verse. Deuteronomy chapter 23, 21. I don't know if I put it in your notes. If I didn't write it down. When you make a vow to the Lord your God, the scripture says be prompt in fulfilling whatever you promised him. For the God, the Lord your God, demands that you promptly fulfill your, all your vows or you will be guilty of sin. Now, you're a guest today, and you're going, I can't believe he's doing this. I can't believe I'm doing it either. But there's a lot of things I can't believe I do. How about you? Well, not that you think I do, that you do, and that I do. I mean, I, I can't, there's a lot of things I do that I can't believe I do. But I want to obey Christ. Give me the next slide. This right here, we've had the elders speak. We've had business meetings. And I said, no, I'm not going to do a business meeting. We're just going to do it on Sunday morning. Maybe somebody will get saved. Maybe somebody will follow Christ. Maybe somebody will become obedient. Since the start of the fiscal year, our, our year runs September through August, so we just started it. We've been short an average of $1,345.51. It was about $1,800 to $2,000, but we had a good December. A lot of people gave better in December than they have. But if this continues, we'll be short $69,966.52, $70,000. And I just thought, you know, if I can be bold with the gospel of Christ, I can be bold with our finances. I can be clear. I can be transparent. And I can share with you. Chad tried to speak to this. Chad was in a men's breakfast. I didn't ask him for a testimony. And Chad gave a word. And I just started weeping as he spoke out of his heart. Because he sees the pressure that his pastor's under as shepherd. And he sees the, uh, the responsibility of the elders and the pressure they're under and the pressure of the staff and the things that happen. And, and basically, I just wrote down here, you know, we can't neglect God's house. Let me give you the next one. We built a marvelous building next door that has kids. It's awesome. We had some kids from some collegians here from California. They just loved our campus. I want to thank you, church. We pledged almost $683,000. This is what we've received right now, two hundred seventy. dollars The campaign finished December. It didn't finish. It came to a close. We'll still receive gifts, won't we? Cad, will we still receive gifts if anybody still wants to give one? Yeah. All right, go to the next slide. Okay. So you're saying, Pastor, why do you do that? I don't do that to put you on a guilt trip. I want to thank God for you. I want to thank God for so many of you that, that give faithfully and you give sacrificially. You need to be blessed. I want to honor you, and I bless you in Jesus' name. But there's many of you here today and many that aren't here today. Man, it's just, it's not on your radar. And I'm just telling you, church, I... I I just want to be real. You know, we decided to be real when we opened the door, so why decide at year 17 to fake it? We're blessed. We have a $3.3 million, $3 million campus. Well, just over a million dollars. But we have some financial issues, and I'm personally tired of praying about this all the time. I'm tired of working it all the time. And I just thought I ought to throw it out there, and if the body ought to go, you know what? We love our church. We believe in our church. We want to help fund the mission of Jesus Christ. And the church said... Now, this is not some, oh, amen, and preacher said. No, no, this is something we'll know real quick. We'll see the numbers in the bulletin, the worship guide. They'll... So here it is. For, write this in real quick. The tithe is a lordship issue. 
It really is. Jesus is Lord. If he's Lord, then he takes control. He takes over every area. And you just begin to say, Jesus, I, I give you that. Because on this campaign I just showed you, we only collected 38%. I met with our consultant a few weeks ago. He goes, I don't understand. It's the worst I've ever seen. Not what I want to sit down and hear somebody tell me. He says, I love your church. I love the people. I love fellowshipping with them. I love being a part of y'all's campaign. So church, I just lay it out there to let you know we've got some challenges. And I give. You know why I give? I give because Jesus asked me to. I hope that's why you give. And you know why else I give? I want to be an example to my kids. And we've got a little granddaughter that's coming. And I can stand on this stage and tell you a lot of things I don't do, but I have been a faithful giver for my Christian pilgrimage for 35 years coming to the end of this month. I praise God that he put this in my soul, and I wanted to obey him. I want to obey him in all things, but this is an area that we've had victory. And I don't tell you that to brag. I just tell you that it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to be faithful. And when we stand up, it matters, and it funds the resources of the kingdom of God. Amen? You're saying, wow, he said that with conviction. I give because I love the vision of this church. I love because... I saw Lynn Samuel's life change. I love because I saw Larry Wells come to Christ. I love this church because I remember the day that Mark Hartley committed his life to Jesus Christ. I can go down and I can tell you, I remember when they came to Christ. I remember when they got married. I remember when they dedicated their first child. I remember when God delivered them from drugs. I remember this and this. That's why I give. Is that a good reason to give, church? Change lives. Oh, hallelujah. I give because I want to honor, I want to partner with God. Here's some things. What happens if we don't do our part? God gave me 10 quick things. You can write these on the bottom if you want to. Our influence. If we aren't faithful and we don't continue to give in a few years, we'll be out of business. The light in the city will be gone. And there's one thing about this church. The streams in the body of Christ have come together forming Christ Community Church in the name, the honor of Jesus. Number two, the support for missionaries will be neglected. We sent out missionaries. We're getting ready to send out another more missionaries. We built six homes We've done all kinds. We've dug wells in Africa. We fed the homeless. We fed them the other night. We do projects from here to Brazil. Just, it messes up. Third thing, and I want you to write this down. A safe place, a healing for the wounded is lost. Refuge is removed from our region at the capacity that we know it. I cannot tell you how many people have come in here and found refuge for their soul. Matter of fact, it just hit me. He's in heaven right now. He sat right here. Still remember it. How many of you remember Gary Hunley at Faith Radio? Gary Hunley, a Greek scholar, a pastor. He got fired. He came to our church. He came from a Church of Christ background. He came into our church. He walked in this day. We were doing uh, uh, Days of Elijah. It's one of those songs that just stands up, and we had a full dance team. And he walked in. I said, oh, help us, Jesus. He's Church of Christ. He's going to think Pastor Keith has lost it. I said, but we are who we are. He came in, and he sat right here. And that, the church got wide open that day, didn't it, Jan? I mean, it was wide open. And I went up to him after the service, and him and his wife were sopping wet in tears. The spirit of the living Christ fell on their lives, melted them, began to heal their very lives. And he used to come preach for me twice a year, and he's always told me, he says, man, I remember the ministry of Christ community, what it meant to me and my wife. It was a place of refuge. I could tell that story a hundred times. 200, 300. You're saying, Pastor, you don't know, but that's my story. I found refuge. Let me give you another one. A house of celebration, an encounter of God and deep joy. 
And that's what it's been since the beginning. Fifth, unconditional acceptance by the body of Christ to children, teenagers, adults. Tell you what, you go hang out with Blake and his team. You hang out with our teenagers. They are the most loving, accepting youth group I have ever seen. And I led youth ministry for 18 years. They accept people like nobody. Number six, a training and equipping center for believers will cease if we don't give. Seven, I love this one, a house of prayer to the nations will be lost. A pushing back of the darkness will cease if we don't give and we don't support this week, I lead the movement called Pray for Montgomery. We meet at Taylor Road. We move on all the churches. We, I gather pastors together because for some reason, they just don't seem to do that. And God said, that's the mantle in your life. I want you to teach. I want you to model. I want you to encourage people to pray because prayer works. How many believe prayer works today, church? I'm trying to convince pastors that prayer works. Here we go. Number eight, biblical community gets lost if we don't continue. Number nine, a church fighting for marriage covenants in this city will lose its power if we don't give. And i got to tell you, we have seen many marriages healed at Christ Community Church. Hallelujah. And we've had some deaths. But we believe in the marriage covenant. And tenth, and this is the last one I asked the Lord last night. I said, God, could you give me ten? I need one more, Lord. I did. I, I, you know, preachers do that. You know, you want to do it in threes or fives or ten. I said, I can't have nine, God. i got to have ten. God just spoke it in my spirit so clearly. You know what he said? The poor will lose an advocate if Christ's community ceases to be the church. That's high and holy in the church. The poor will lose an advocate. The 28 kids that we sponsored on Compassion Sunday will lose their support and their families. The ones that we feed in the homeless, the ones at Cleveland Court, the ones at the different communities, they just the people that come in have lost their way. They'll lose it. So God just showed me, man, this is important. So here, here's a comment. You either bring your tithe or you steal it. Just write that down in your notes. You bring it or steal it, okay? How's that? You know, I ain't very good English, but okay. Bring it or steal it. Malachi says, hey, you robbed God. Well, you don't bring your tithes. And he, and he talks about bringing it. So, you know, he says if you bring it, he's poured out a blessing. So the tithes of lordship. Let me give you the next one quickly. The blessings of God are predictable. God's favor follows obedience. God's favor follows scripture. I mean, it just, it just does. It's the way God does it. Here's the next one. You can't give the tithe. We always go give the tithe. The scripture says bring the tithe. Bring it into the storehouse. And I'm praying, God, make us bringers. Make us people that bring with cheerful hearts, with joyful hearts. We bring it, Lord. Not trash talking. We just bring it. Tithing protects, fill this in, tithing protects the blessing. How many of you want to be blessed? I mean, man, everybody wants to be blessed. I mean, why do you think Joe Osteen is so popular? Because he has this positive message of blessing. I just want him to go on and preach the rest of the gospel. But let me get back to the text. Here's the deal. I want the blessing of God. If you don't want the blessing of God, that's crazy. And, and Hannah nailed it in her, in, her, in her little video. Hannah goes, man, I gave and $20 appeared. Now, I would love to tell y'all, y'all give today and your money will double and it'll triple by Wednesday. I would have to leave town because that ain't going to happen. And sometimes you do see financial blessings. But let me tell you, there are a lot of blessings that are greater than financial. Marriage wholeness, kids, grandkids, your health, relationships. There's so many blessings. How many of you agree that you're so blessed as you sit there today? Yeah. How many want that blessing to stay on your life? Yeah. No, I want to be under the devourer. I want to be cursed of God. 
I'm going to tell you, some of you are under the curse by not being obedient in your giving and your bringing your tithe to the Lord. And you suffer for that. Scripture's clear. I just want you to go, well, I never thought about it like that, Pastor. Read Malachi 3. It's on the screen every weekend. So don't wait for it to come back. Just read it. Let me tell you what. God has a great prevent defense. You know football, you know how they get in a prevent defense? God has a prevent defense. Give, sacrifice, tithe, serve, love, forgive, do it his way. And then look at tithing. Tithing is for the house of God. Tithing is for the church. It's for us. It, it, it makes a difference. He cares about his church. And look at the next blank. i, I got to move quickly. The tithe is the only time that God says, test me. God says in this area, test me. And I can just tell you from experience, I have tested the Lord, and I believe his holy word, and God is faithful. Susan Harper, would you and Jimmy say that God is faithful to his word? Amen. Amen. I mean, God just does not let his people down. He is faithful. We trust him. We make a commitment. I'm encouraging you today. Make a commitment starting today. Tithe, give, bring it. Purpose to live off 90% and bring in the 10%. You can do more with 90 than you can 100. Does anybody here believe that today? I am convinced we do more on tithing than we would do without. And some of you are like, well, I ain't going to tithe. How's that working for you? Some of you go, hey, it ain't working very good, man. We're, we're like cursed. We're like broke. This is not prosperity gospel. This is the full gospel of grace I'm trying to proclaim today, church. We trust him at his word. And tithing, next one, tithing is not just 10%, it's the first 10%. You start your budget. Let me just tell you this. I know I'm going long, but you got to hear this. When I sit down with marriage couples, I go, get a spending plan, develop a budget, and you start with a tithe. You give to God first, and then you work your bills. And you decide where you can live and what you can drive and where you can eat and how much sushi, if you're into sushi or whatever, and you begin to do your things. But when you start with your entertainment and everything, your lifestyle, and you put God on the bottom, God always loses. Bring the first fruit into the storehouse of God. Amen? I don't apologize for this. Some of you go, man, I like that church or that preacher, man. He's kind of ranting and raving. He's kind of, man, he's kind of lunatic. And then some of you go, but he's real. He's genuine. He believes in the heartbeat of the gospel. I do. In Revelation, or in Exodus 23, 19, it says, As you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord your God. It doesn't say bring out your damaged animals and your blind animals and bring your worst. It says bring your best to God. Yeah, who wants damaged vegetables? I mean, I know we don't live in that kind of economy. I, I just see next week somebody drives, hey, I'll show him. You ride with a truckload of vegetables. What am I going to do with that? Hey, but we're on a Daniel fast, so that might be kind of cool. You know, we do that, you know. Go ahead. I dare somebody in Jesus. I dare you to bring a truckload of vegetables. Vicki, you're not here today, but you got to start cooking, sweetie, because we're going we're to have cabbage to Jesus comes. Okay. And I personally like cabbage. It, uh, okay. Anyway, another story. God desires to be first. He does. On the first day of the week. They, look, guys, I just got so much to say. But, but, but I just want to stop and pray. I'm going to ask Jeff for them to come to the keyboard. I want you to bow your heads. And, and I just want to do something right now quickly. I just want to ask a question. How many in this room are upside down financially? Heads bowed. Eyes closed. Could, could, could you just raise your hand across the living room? You're, you're upside down. 
You know what I want to do? I just want to pray for you. Father, join me in this prayer. Father, I ask in the mighty name of Jesus, some people, brothers and sisters and friends and families are struggling in the room, and they've made a declaration that things are tough. They, they need aid. They need help. They need your blessing. They need your favor. God, we want to agree for a miracle for them. We want to believe, Lord, that you could replace pressure with the peace of Jesus, that you would guard their hearts and minds and you would meet every need according to your glorious riches in Christ. Then, Lord, I pray another prayer. Lord Jesus, speak to me. Just ask Jesus right now as you sit in your chair. Jesus, speak to me. Heal my broken dreams. May I live and see your salvation. I am yours, Lord. I will seek your face. Fill me with your heartbeat, Savior. Overwhelm me, Jesus, with your presence, with your power, with your goodness. Lord, you are of infinite worth. Who compares to you? No one. I just dare you to believe God for this this morning. And you know, I'm going to close it out this way. The altar's open. I, I think as we start a new year, I think we need to flood this altar. You can stay in your chair. You can kneel by your chair. Some of you are maybe not physically able. That's, that's fine. Pray where you are. But I'm going to invite many of you just to come out and to say, Jesus, this is a message I needed to hear. I didn't want to hear it. It was tough. But I want to obey you. I want to follow you. Lord, I want to believe you for my future. I want to believe your word. I long for you to move in my midst. But Lord, I believe. Oh, I believe. And somebody might say, Lord, help my unbelief. Help me to trust you. Guys, our church has a marvelous opportunity to proclaim the riches of Christ. And for that to continue, we have to be faithful. Everybody. Everybody being faithful. Church, I'm going to invite you to come out right now. Jeff and the team, or Jeff's going to lead a great song called We Believe. We can sing that. We can pray. But church, come out where you are. Fill this altar up. Make your de declaration to God. Lord, I depend on you. I need you. We believe.